This is David Wheaton. The following is a TCW short take, a bite-sized highlight from the Christian Worldview radio program. You can hear the full program at thechristianworldview.org. Now, just one quick follow-up on your answer there about what the power brokers and the elite are trying to do to this world to globalize it, global governance. But are China and Russia on board with this? They're more nationalistic powers, China being more communistic and Russia being just authoritarian dictatorship, I would say. Are they on board with this move? I believe they are, David. And I don't believe that the common man is supposed to understand that. I think what's happening here is almost an artificial division. One of the things that the global elitists, uh, one of the tactics that they like to use, it's known as the dialectical process. I mean, this has its roots in uh, George Hegel and Hegelian philosophy. And of course, Marx was a, a major proponent of some of these ideas as well. But what you do is you can't just have a thing. You have to have a conflict between things to make progress. So they see this constant process of evolution resulting from conflict. And so when we're talking about geopolitics here, if they want to make progress toward their agenda, you've got to have conflict to act as a catalyst, if you will, to bring these changes about. And so you have now two essentially major blocks in the world. You have the Russia-China block, and, and there are many organizations that cover this block. You have the G77 plus China, which includes you know, about 134 governments at last count. You have the BRICS alliance, which uh, Brazil, Russia, China, India, South Africa, of course, they now have expanded and started including other members as well. You have all these regional governments that are being built. Putin, for example, is building the Eurasian Union, Russia, China, Iran, and others are involved in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. You've got the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. You've got the uh, South Asian regional government that's being formed with India at the core. So you have all these regional governments, and there's all these power players. But if you had to divide the world largely into two blocks, you'd have roughly speaking, with you know maybe some oddities there, kind of the NATO bloc, the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, maybe Japan, South Korea maybe would be included in there, the Western European powers. And then you have the rest, right? The non-aligned movement, the African governments, most of the Latin American governments, et cetera. And that's kind of how this is shaping up. Now, it looks a little bit different than it does in the Cold War, right? Today, we see the West has become absolutely degenerate in, in the truest sense of the term, waging war on families, castrating children. I mean, things that would have been unthinkable even a generation ago. And then you have people like Putin supposedly standing against this. But I think when it boils down to the interests at work here and, and actually the actions more than the statements, what you find is that the Russians and the Chinese, the ruling class there, are very much in favor of this agenda. And, and I don't say that out of speculation. It's, it's not a hypothesis. If you read the documents that they put out, uh, every time the BRICS get together, I like to read their final declaration. And their final declaration actually has remarkable similarities with what you hear Western leaders talk about. They talk about strengthening the United Nations. They talk about climate change. They talk about sustainable development. They talk about even a world currency. Right, uh, The G77 plus China met in uh, Bolivia about a decade ago and put out their final statement declaration. It was called Toward a New World Order to Live Well. And they called for a global currency. They called for turning the UN General Assembly into a parliament of humanity, an emblem of global sovereignty, they called it. 
So I think if you look past the rhetoric and you look past the narrative that the media is spinning, we do have all of these powers working toward the same overall objective, even though there appears to be belligerence on the surface. And you see this in other ways, too. And I'll give you a very clear, concrete example that a lot of national security experts and geopolitical experts, they just don't know what to make of it. But Vladimir Putin and Henry Kissinger, who recently uh, passed on, they were very, very close to each other. I mean, when Putin would come to the United States, he would go eat at private dinners at Kissinger's house. When Kissinger would go to Russia, they would have you know parades for him and they'd do a, a military honor for him. They would give him all these awards. Putin actually talks about this in his autobiography, but his very, very close relationship with Henry Kissinger. And that doesn't make sense using the conventional analysis. So it, when you really get into this, and I, I know you have a lot of other issues you want to talk about, David, so I won't go too deep down the rabbit hole. But when you really look back in the past, what you find is that a lot of these powers that are supposedly standing against the Western-led world order were actually put in place by and built up by the same globalist elites that we have in the Western world today. Very important book on the Bolshevik Revolution was Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution by uh, an incredible historian at Stanford University, Anthony Sutton. What he proved using primary source documents from the U.S. State Department and from the companies themselves was that major American banks, especially the big Wall Street banks, actually financed Vladimir Lenin and Leon Trotsky in their effort to overthrow the Russian czar, enslave Russia, and ultimately the whole Soviet bloc under communist terrorism. If you look at the rise of the communists in China, again, there were very powerful forces within the U.S. government and within major American industries and major powerful organizations like the Council on Foreign Relations that brought Chairman Mao to power and then steadily built up the communist Chinese dictatorship to the point now where it is the second largest economy in the world, probably the second most powerful military in the world. So these things are not happening by accident. And when the Bible says, for example, in First John chapter 5, that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, I think that very much includes Beijing and Moscow and all the rest of it, regardless of what Putin may be saying on TV. This has been a short take from the Christian Worldview radio program. To hear the full program and connect with this nonprofit radio ministry, go to thechristianworldview.org. I'm David Wheaton.